people just up and left because they can, you know, they can leave New York or they can leave some of the worst areas and go to their second home in an open state. Yeah. And that happened almost instantly. And it was, it was wild, like a huge percentage of them just left. And you're like, well, you know, that's good for you. But yeah, I mean, there's still a huge chunk of the service economy in some of those uh, northern cities that, uh, yeah, if there's no customers, everything uh, starts to shut down real quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are we recording or what? What? Uh, when do you start? Oh man, so now we can take a drink because yeah, we start recording like the moment you get into the room. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, I get that question every now and then. It's like, are we doing this right now? I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no worries. So, yeah. uh, no, but that, that is, go ahead. Yeah. I was just, uh, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you kind of do the conversational thing too on your show. And, uh, I just find it's just a better medium of getting through it. I, I've listened to a whole bunch of uh, podcasts. I've actually got like 40 or 50 in the rotation. So yeah. And, and I'm ADHD uh, enough that I can listen to it at two X and still catch everything. But, uh, yeah, there's some, that uh, it's just like question and answer, question and answer. And it's like, man, this, that's, that's like reminding me of high school almost. Yep. I, I agree. I can't stand it. And I just don't like to do interviews. Like I can't come up with, you know, a huge list of questions. I'm going to ask someone, even when I'm doing a conversation, I, I, I've got some topics that I want to hit. We never end up hitting all the topics. I'm always sitting there looking at a paper when we're all done wondering you know how how we possibly went an hour without hitting like three of the topics i had i wanted <laughs> so i yeah at this point i've just given up on all of that and just do a conversation where it leads and sometimes those lead into like new ideas where you know you're bouncing ideas off of someone and something you never even thought of comes up. yeah sometimes that'll happen i mean you'll just touch on something and then it'll send the guest off somewhere else and they're like oh yeah 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 and then this happened and then you're like oh crap <laughs> So sometimes I, I keep my little notebook handy and I'll write down a note. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to circle around, back around to that. And then I'll, you know, I'll just end up scratching it off. I was like, no, we, we, we touched on something we got to get through. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Well, I guess what we were, we were talking about those, uh, um, service industry jobs. Have you seen the numbers, um, the latest number I saw was 100,000 small businesses have already shut down for good. Um, and, and you know, it's not getting a lot of fanfare, but yeah, I think you, you know, might be uh, pretty close to that. Yeah. That was like a, a survey I saw of uh, they did in the Washington post or something, but uh, like I can, can you notice it driving around town? Cause I've been paying attention and I've been noticing the, the empty storefronts, especially restaurants that like were, were there only a month ago. Yeah. Um, there's been a few places down here in Baton Rouge. Um, for the most part, it's like, was there a quarantine down here? <laughs> Cause even uh-huh. like a week after everyone got uh, the notice, it was like, Hey, we're going to have to stay inside the house. I still saw people everywhere. Uh, you know, granted it wasn't as heavy as it normally is like during rush hour. Uh, you can get through like a light cycle, no problem. Um, but then it was like a, about a week before they said, okay, well, we're going to start letting restaurants open back up. I was noticing some of the Mexican places, they were just already open. I was like, yeah, come and sit outside. We'll dine al fresco, you know. 
<laughs> that's that's exactly what I know. I'm up in here in Idaho, and ours was kind of the same thing where we we never had like anything even resembling a quarantine. Like we had, they shut down small businesses and restaurants, but everyone's still out. Everyone was still driving. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and then I saw the exact same thing where there's a little place called Jalapenos, and their dining room was shut down, and they just put a bunch of uh, tables outside. And everyone was just eating outside. Yep. Yeah, there, <laughs> was, there like, was ways of getting around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know that that really kind of debunked the whole idea that like, look how effective this has been. Because if you just went outside and looked around, you were like, there's nothing even remotely coming near a quarantine. Like, there's yeah. people just everywhere. And now we're going back. Um, we're going backwards. We're like, we're they just shut dining rooms down again today where I'm at uh, with, as far as I can tell, I've looked at the numbers. I can't see any justification for it, but we're unfortunately we're going back into lockdown. Yeah. I did notice that there was a couple of um, chain restaurants that were about to open. Uh, and then the, uh, the Kuf cough happened. And then, you know, now it's like, there's nobody in the driveway. Like the building is all completely built. <laughs> so I guess they're not opening until September. But yeah, I was like driving past a couple of those places. I was like, man, you picked a shitty time <laughs> to try and sit the, and open up a chicken salad chick down here. Yeah, well, there's like there's that there's the lockdown and then there's the um, the idea that a good amount of people are just scared, you know, and that could last way beyond the lockdown. And yeah. God, like the economic ramifications of that, of just like a scared consumer base that doesn't want to leave their house like geez i mean that the effects of that could be last for years and be worse than the lockdown oh yeah yeah and then you put out a perverse incentive uh to stay at home because you know now you're going to pay them uh, a 600 dollars a week check and their unemployment you know is already going to be a couple hundred bucks per week and he's like uh, well now i'm getting way more than my server job so, I mean, why come back even though things are starting to open up? And that was the other thing I noticed is like now that things are almost getting back to normal, like all the now hiring signs are up. All the what? Uh, oh, now hiring. Yeah, now hiring. You know, just, you know, now hiring servers, busboy, you know, that type of stuff. It's like, right. Yeah, so you yeah, think like, a lot of those people are sitting at home collecting unemployment. And why not? I, I know a guy who's a, a, a substitute teacher who's getting $4,000 a month. Yeah. And I know that that sub job doesn't pay anywhere close to that. Yeah. You might as well just take a couple months paid vacation at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, and at the end of all this, the, the weird thing is who gets the blame because, oh. <laughs> you know, that's, it, it never seems like the proper Avenue or the, the proper, problems get pointed out it always seems like there's some scapegoat or some justification for why things happen and a problem never gets solved that's a weird one yeah i was uh been kind of like on a uh movies about like the uh prohibition and you know bank robberies back in the 1930s and everything and uh so they're always you know got to demonize the the people who did the bank robbing and the uh you know moving booze back and forth and I was just sitting there thinking, because now, you know, watching it with new anarchist eyes when, the you know, the last time I watched it, you know, when it first came out, 
And I'm just sitting there going, I was like, man, the state really just fucked these people over. And this is like their only means of like sort of putting something together. <laughs> and then now, now all these G men are coming down on them. You know, and I was sitting there telling that to a friend of mine. I was like, yeah, did you ever watch that movie Public Enemies? I mean, did you ever try to figure out why Dillinger had to go around robbing banks all the time? You know, <laughs> and like some of it was like, uh, no, I mean, he was just a bad guy. He was just going around robbing banks. I was like, yeah, but he was just, you know, taking the bank's money. Yeah. <laughs> and they, it's, yeah, that's didn't want to get around that. That, <laughs> that is one that I think a lot of anarchists and libertarians um, have a weird a weird hole i don't know if it's a hole in the philosophy but it's probably just a hole in like their their worldview is yeah they'll still get really mad about uh like um paying back loans or something like that where um god like even like a a student loan to, to me a student loan is just money that was created on a screen doesn't really exist Right. And then was just deposited in, in someone's account. And then they are expected to pay real money or the fruits of their labors like back for that money that never existed. Yeah. And in my mind, like, yeah, rob the bank for as much as you can. I don't I don't it's not real. It's, it's a fake system. You know, having to pay that money back in real uh, labor, essentially, or, yeah. or the fruits of your labor. And depending uh, on you could make one payment on that and the bank already profited. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, you know, at that point, it's just electrons on a screen. Yeah. And even myself, you know, I've got a student loan out there for my drafting job. And, you know, I, it's not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I mean, it's still like a car payment that I got to make every month, you know. And so it's like and then people complain. It's like, oh, well, you know, price of education is so high. And it was like, well, yeah, get the government out of it. <laughs> the the cost would drop down drastically because then all of the universities are going to be trying to fight for customers, i.e. students, you know. Right. And then something Obama did uh, or, or happened during Obama's presidency was, I don't know if you remember, they shut down a lot of uh, private schools, like, like private. Um, yeah, because of the accreditation uh, BS. Yeah. Yeah. And just tens of thousands of students then had to enter, you know, the, the guy, you can't even call it even the, well, I'm sorry, let me turn my phone off. Uh, even the, um, like the private colleges are, that's a blurry line between public college and private college. Oh yeah. How much the government is incentivizing you to get in there. Well, then they just shut down their competition and you've got tens of thousands of more students uh, you know, flooding into a drastically lowered supply of college seats. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why would anyone expect anything else? And it's another thing where here's an obvious problem. Why isn't the, um, the culprits like taking any blame? <laughs> you yeah. know, what, what is it that like we can't actually pin the fucking crime on the perpetrator? Oh yeah, and in and, and people of the boomer generation, and uh, you know, sad to say, like people in the Gen X generation, like I am, you know, they'll they'll point to uh, the younger generation. Was like, well, you know, you shouldn't be taking a hundred thousand dollars out for a philosophy degree. I mean, that's not going to put food on your table. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, there's a reason why they're taking that money <laughs> and going into some fluff liberal arts thing that doesn't translate into a real world marketable skill. 
That's because they've been trained that way by the government since the age of six. Yeah, it is. Um, and not only by the government, but by the boomer parents who, you know, are now castigating them for going to college. Like that was yeah. what was expected out of you. Um, that's what society expected out of you. I remember when I decided I was definitely not going to college, I got like weird looks because everyone was sending out their papers in high school and senior year. You know, you've got to write letters to colleges. You got to do this, that, and the other. And I wasn't doing any of that. And I was like, no, I think I'm going to go into the trades. Yeah. And how that was seen as like, what do you want to just throw your life away? <laughs> you know, as if I was just, uh, yeah. And that same four year period, you know, you don't have, you know, thousands of dollars in debt that you got to pay back. Instead, you actually got a job that's paying you money, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like part of, you know, it's just like in a system that's set up to fuck you over and basically milk you. Like if you play by those rules, the system will milk you. I don't, oh, yeah. You know, like that, that's what it's built to do. And so much of our cultural expectations are, are absolutely so wired into that entire system. Oh yeah. Cause you know, they'll, they'll honey dick everybody in high school. I was like, well, you want to go get a college educa education? Cause those who have a college degree are, you know, 70% more likely to have stable work and, you know, make over a hundred thousand dollars a year and all of the car salesman tricks that they like to like to pull on people. And then it was like, well, I mean, happiness is a, is a subjective thing. I mean, the guy digging a ditch making 30 grand a year might be happy as shit. You know, yeah, you know, he may not like the fact that, you know, his budget's a little tight, but I mean, he might just like digging ditches all day. You never know. <laughs> right. right. Well, there's, there's an interesting with, with the lockdowns and with all the colleges shutting down. I think one thing interesting is that some of that money dried up. Like oh, yeah. people who were, who were living um, off student loans and expecting another round of student loans suddenly couldn't get enrolled. And couldn't get grants, couldn't get loans. Yeah. And got, I, I kind of wonder, like, what's that going to look like, you know, throwing that uh, wrench in the system? Oh, does and it collapse, or, you know? Yeah. And gasp, daddy's credit card has a limit on it, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, part time driving for Uber in a college town, I can tell you right now, like, the, the credit cards that I saw, you know, they didn't have their name on it. It was always daddy's name or mama's name on it. Right. Yeah. I used to live in a, a college town. I still do, but I used to live in a college town in California where we would, we would jump on Craigslist at the end of the semester. And there would just be posts that said free stuff out by the, you know, the college area where the kids rented houses and their parents would furnish an entire house for them. Yeah. And then when they were moving out, they would just throw everything outside. You could get brand new flat screen TVs, brand new couches oh, yeah. just sitting on the side of the road because they didn't want to move them. <laughs> yeah, so it's so funny. It's like it's like so adverse to physical labor. <laughs> it's like I don't want to move this couch out of the house all the way, like into a truck and then into another house. And, you know, I'll just put it out <laughs> to the curb. There's <laughs> thousands of dollars of stuff. It's crazy. Oh, that was the other thing that used to like piss me off too, uh, driving them around. Cause then they would be like the shittiest tippers. I was like, come on, it's not even your money. <laughs> but I guess if you give me a $10 tip, maybe then daddy might give you a call. It's like, what are you doing? 
why is there a fifteen dollar Uber charge and a ten dollar tip on top of it? What are you What are you guys doing? You know, but uh, God, I, yeah, I wonder, man. <laughs> I, you just uh, college is it. It really has become. It, it seems to me. And there's still probably people who are benefiting and getting good things out of it, but it really seems to me just uh, another kind of like cheap loan scam, uh, just another paycheck loan scam almost, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like God, I, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure there's people getting a lot of good stuff out of it, but it's so unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, you know, and LSU where I live next, I'm practically right next to it's. Um... You know, the School of Engineering, uh, they've got a law school and a medical school and a veterinary school. It's all right there. Those kids are actually getting an education. But, you know, they've also got the philosophy and the and the uh, liberal arts and everything. And you talk to some of those kids and it's like, OK, well, you know, how are you going to turn that liberal arts degree into a paying job? You know, because <laughs> the only thing I see out of this is welcome to Starbucks. You know, because they pay yeah. a little bit better than McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. And you even wonder about the kids who are in the STEM programs or the doctor, you know, medical school or stuff like that. How much of that is just corporate training? Like, like I really wonder in like a true free market education system, um, how much of this is just stuff that companies would be expected to put the bill for? or, you know, put their students through training or their new hires. You really wonder, like, what the luck, because I think most people recognize public school for being at least partly that, a a corporate training program. Um, God, college, I mean, you know, how much, because even those people are saying, okay, I'm getting this degree to go get a job. Right. Well, who knows if the job is like the most even financially beneficial thing that they could be doing. Right. Yeah. Like even my job, I mean, I'm a civil designer, uh, you know, decades ago, you didn't have to have a paper for that. You mm -hmm. would just go get hired on to the company to do markups. And then after a year or two, then you would start moving into the little more of the design stage and you would just kind of work your way up from there. Because you didn't have to have a college degree for that. And then all of a sudden, the government's going to get involved in education. And now all of a sudden, oh, now you have to have an associate's degree. you got to spend at least two years in school for that. Hey, Alex, uh, hold on just a second. All right, and we're back. You know, And I think hey, it's going to come to a time where you're going to have to start having a master's. Yeah, you will because they don't want to waste that time training you to do that stuff like i remember my dad was an engineer in silicon valley when it, it was first blowing up in like the 70s and the 80s yeah and he did not he had a high school uh diploma and that was it yeah and to imagine that you could get a job like building semiconductors now without uh at least you know i mean i would imagine a master's uh, is ridiculous yeah i was like even my mom in the 1980s i mean she was putting circuit boards together it, she mm -hmm. didn't even have a high school education. She she dropped out in the ninth grade. So, <laughs> I mean, it's like stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's kind of repetitive work and you don't really have to think about what you're doing too much, uh, you know, but <laughs> requiring somebody to have some kind of degree for that kind of that kind of work, you know, it's, uh, I mean, 
I like to say that we've truly entered clown world at about 1990, I think. It was when everything just started getting really, really nuts. So there's like, yeah, you kind of look around at the world. It was like, I was like, okay, I mean, the U.S. is involved all over the world uh, in places where it shouldn't be because they don't even understand who the people are, what's going on there. And then their domestic policy is, all right, well, all of these rich people need to pay their fair share and they've got to pay everything. And, you know, it doesn't matter if we added up like all of their wealth together. We couldn't even run the country for three months, you know, (laughs) much less to keep it going on in uh, perpetuity. And then we're just going to get involved in the education system and get involved in this. You know, it, it doesn't strike anybody that their past uh, record is terrible and that they shouldn't be doing any of that. It's we are. Yeah, we're fully on the clown car. I mean, like if it just all of that stuff, of course, like what like why can people not notice that, you know, the same government that just um just absolutely destroyed the Middle East, maybe like doesn't actually have a good plan for any kind of pandemic response. It's like, there's no application. I think maybe it's just like people were born into this system. So they just think within the system. Uh, Maybe that's it. But yeah, like where's the lack of creativity? Like what is that coming from that people just can't think of another way? Yeah. And I even saw a good example of this today. Uh, Bob Murphy was uh, looking over somebody's book who was writing about modern monetary theory about deficits don't matter, you know, and trying to prove the case by doing creative math. It's like, well, the government's taking in this money from here and it's going to there. And so this is how, you know, there's no real deficit. And so she just kind of takes one of the quotes from Bob Murphy, like completely out of context. And just like paste it all over her Twitter account and then started blocking everybody when they were pointing out, you know, she was taking a quote out of context, you know, much like modern monetary theory. And uh, right. yeah, it was hilarious. I was like going, oh, man, these people are so just out of touch in orbit around planet Earth, not actually having their feet on the ground. I, I have no idea where these people come from. <laughs> well, it's kind of the it's like I find that modern monetary theory it's interesting because it's kind of like the logical conclusion of all the stupidity around government spending. Right. It's like, well, yeah, if we can just borrow every year and then just print money, like why can't we just do that in perpetuity? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll just keep it going. Know, we're doing it. <laughs> why not? It's kind of how socialists are like, well, we have all these government programs already. Why can't we just nationalize everything? <laughs> so it is kind of like, it's like an insight into the, stupidity of just putting up the blinders and saying, Hey, everything's okay. Yeah. One of my personal favorites was the, uh, Oh, well the socialists, uh, countered the economic calculation problem. And you're like, Oh really? How? I was like, well, this guy, he, he came up with a theory that, uh, you know, a supercomputer would be built to take into account all of the variables in an economy. <laughs> I was like, okay. And what genius is going to stick around? while his entire field of study is like nationalized to the point where there's no real incentive to do a good job at all. You know, then I was like, yeah, well, you know, there's this paper and, you know, you kind of read through it and it's like, Oh, well, this is just a comic book, you know? And 
where is the understanding that like AI is programmed by humans? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can make an AI do whatever you want. There's, there's like on one side, there's such a faith in humans that humans will be able to run some system perfectly uh, to control other humans. And on the other side, there's just a distrust where you're like, well, we can't just let the market work, you know, because there's all these bad people. Yeah. Like, God, have, have some consistency. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because on one hand they say, well, you know, we need the government involved in all of this, you know, because people are dumb. I was like, okay, well, first of all, I was like, well, I'll agree. <laughs> there are some people who are, in fact, dumb. Because they keep voting, <laughs> they think they are going to vote their way to freedom and whatever. I was like, okay, granted, you know, the vast majority of people out there really, really smart, and we know that because every election year there's well over the amount of votes that would be a landslide if if no one was a candidate, you know. Right, right. That's yeah. That that gives you a glimmer of hope. You're like. But then again, like, are those the dumb people not voting? (laughs) Yeah, that's how they would spin that. that. It was like, wow, they just, you know, they don't want to pick a peaceful slave master. (laughs) Well, you hope. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it like the midwit kind of like half smart, um, you know, supposedly informed people are the voters. And I don't know. Do you have a better shot appealing to the stupid people's own self-interest? I (laughs) It's another thing where it's just like, I think people just are not creative thinkers. They, they would rather regurgitate what they're told and they're told, yeah, I vote. That's what I do. I'm part of this system. You know, I'm part of this society. and I'm included in something. And yeah, I don't know, man. It's so, it's so deep. Do you ever see some, some point at which the system breaks or, or, you know, there, there's a, a glimmer of hope of seeing some kind of, you know, if not complete and Capistan, some kind of a huge move in, in public opinion that gets them to consider that idea. Well, even this past uh, couple of weeks uh, going into the George Floyd thing with the defund the police, you know, all of us, you know, anarchists are sitting around going like, yes, now now do the rest. You know, <laughs> there's other yeah. stuff that need to be defunded, too. But then you then you sit there and talk to them and it's like. Yeah, we would just uh, continue to take the taxes, but we would, you know, put it towards education. I was like, oh, okay. So you're the throw money on the burning fire, and hopefully the money will suffocate the fire, right? Yeah, they. God, it is like. Yeah, they get I so close, but then they can't quite go over the edge with it. <laughs> they can't, and I, I think I saw an interesting thing where this Twitter. Um, God, someone on Twitter, one of those kind of defund the police leftists, someone had, did point out like police are simply, you know, part of the government. They're, they're, they may be the enforcers, but you are still in favor of a lot of big government. Yeah. And she said something like, uh, all police are Republicans or something like that. <laughs> you know, it, it just turned it it's into like, no. your basic political thing. Yeah. Got to get, got to yeah, get it back like, into the binary. <laughs> Yeah, they do. They do. They have to force it back into something they can understand and like reconcile with their, their really weird, small, controlled worldview. But I thought that was insightful because you're just like, well, you know, that can't possibly be true. <laughs> number one. But number two, like it does just it, it ignores the fact that, yeah, the police are like the violence wing 
of the government. Like that's yeah, the, the enforcer, enforcer class. <laughs> yeah, but they're enforcing, you know, the wills of that same government. Yeah, it was. Um, I was like, oh, oh, uh, now everyone's on lockdown, and so now all the kids are going to be at home, and you know, parents are going to be a little frazzled because they don't know that. Yeah, you can teach a kid without sending him off to a school, you know. But then. At the same time, I see the videos of the kids going out onto their driveways and start saying the uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. It was like, oh, you were almost there. You were <laughs> well, so close. Were, they were. <laughs> conservatives were almost there, too, when the cops were enforcing all of the lockdown stuff. You really, like, I really saw them starting to turn on the police. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, saying, if you keep doing this, you're going to lose our support. And then the minute the first, you know, rock goes through the target window, it's just crack down, send in the National Guard. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they're back out there flying the thin blue line. <laughs> you're like, wow. oh, yeah, that was we almost. Yeah, had it. yeah that was, it was so close. And it was like, uh, it was like, oh, finally, they're, they're going to understand that they're, when there's no victim, there's no crime. You know, because I was hearing that phrase coming out of the people's face. You know, when the, uh, yeah. the mom, I think it was actually uh, in your state, Idaho. Oh, it was right up the street. It was about 10 minutes from me. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, literally in your neighborhood where she got arrested for bringing her kids uh, down to the playground to go on the swings or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, well, now we're seeing a protest at that officer's house. You know, it's like mm-hmm. no victim, no crime. And I was like, yes, yes, they're finally getting it. And then, you know, they turn around and it was like. I was like, okay, well, you know, we had a protest and somebody flipped off a cop. You know, obviously, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> like, it's like, come yeah. on, guys. I will say, um, in, in defense of those people who were, were protesting at that guy's house, in Idaho, there's like, there's a pretty strong, um, generally anti-government sentiment uh, yeah. among a lot of... Yeah, you guys wouldn't have been out West otherwise, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> A lot of people don't just move out, although I'm in a pretty big city comparatively to for Idaho. But still around here, um, they're, they're, when you get extreme conservative, they are anti, I wouldn't say anti-police, but they're very skeptical of any authority. They've been very good uh, through this entire thing. Like that mom, I'm pretty sure she went down to the park to make a statement and to get arrested. Uh, that was my understanding of, of the entire thing, talking to people around here. But um, but I think it was a good statement. And, you know, I think it had to happen. I think, you know, what shocked me about this whole thing, and this is a little off topic, but like, it shocked me that no businesses divide the fucking borders. You yeah, know, like, that was the other thing. I was like, oh, well, well, I guess I'll just, you know, close. Yeah. And now there are tons of them are going out of business. You're like, wouldn't you rather have just like taking your chances with taking a fine or something? Yeah. Or even if it was as bad as uh, Dr. Fauci was telling us, uh, it's like, it's like, okay, we'll do everything that you can to make sure all the surfaces are clean and, you know, people are wearing masks inside, you know, and then that way you would have had a small chance of catching this, you know, new plague that we've all wished for, for so long. Uh, <laughs> But instead, we got a nothing burger. You know, the, yeah, people got sick and some people died if they had comorbidities and they were well over the age of 50. You know, it's uh, it's, it's oh, so sad to watch people just get hoodwinked by by very obvious propaganda. I, I, I don't even know how else to put it. You know, it's 
yeah, it, it is obvious propaganda. And how frustrating is it now to watch the same people who were saying, you know, millions of people will die. This is a three to four percent fatality rate. We're going to have hospitals overrun. Now they're justifying the lockdowns with like slightly more mild symptom cases than we had a week before or something. It's just like the the justifications that I've seen the same people use is just crazy. It's like none of it happened, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen the way up. that you said it did. I mean, take the L, just admit that you were wrong, completely wrong about it, and then to come around and then say, yeah, but if you got to go out and protest racism, that's okay. <laughs> oh, God, it's like, yeah, no. okay, the, vi- the virus re- recognizes that Black Lives Matter and and uh, defund the police and everything. And it's not going to get you if you're standing in a group shoulder to shoulder with everybody. <laughs> yeah. We just had the first woke pandemic. Yeah. The very first, well, you know, human engineered and all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, there's really something to like how, you know, the, the data was just constantly changing for a while and, and constantly the alarmists would be proven wrong like every week and they not once did i see people saying oh you know what we were wrong about this i'm going to chill and see if maybe we were wrong about some other things i would constantly just like to the point where when remember when they were saying like three to four percent fatality rate and anybody looked at it it'd be like this is probably closer to like 0.1 or 0.2 well, I have the same people who were arguing with me three to four percent. When I now say 0.1 percent, they'll share some post about how it's actually 0.2 percent to like prove me wrong or something. Yeah. You're like, it's That's a like, goalpost movie. I was like, yeah, no, you said this was going to be worse than the Black Death, you know, <laughs> where it is just going to wipe out a large chunk of the population and there's nothing that we can do about it. And we got to sanitize all the surfaces. And then it comes out as like, oh, yeah, like 10 seconds in UV light, you know, i.e. the sun, and it's dead. <laughs> like every other virus, you yeah. know, like we've always known, the, they, they love to tout the science. It's like, how fucking unscientific could this be? Yeah, I mean, it was so obvious at one point, Ford had uh, sent an update to the New York City Police Department's uh, cruisers, uh, cause they usually use like Ford expeditions and stuff. And so the software, basically when they turn on the expedition, it's going to rank the, uh, the heater up on high for 15 minutes because they found that the coronavirus has a lipid base to it. And once it gets over 130 degrees, it melts. <laughs> and so they just run, not. yeah, they just run the heater for 15 minutes and then it turns on the AC to cool it back down so the officers can get in. And they guess what? It was like no trace of it. <laughs> They even like spread some on the dash, let the heat run, and then come back and it's gone. I had not seen that. That's wild. I'm gonna have to look that up as soon oh, as yeah. we're done here. That's crazy. Yeah, I said it as soon as I heard that it had like a, a lipid shell to it where the the, vi- the virus like will inject the RNA and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh well if it's got a fat cell that that it's bonded to, then yeah, it, once it hits heat or out in the sunlight, it's it's toast. Well, we were, it was 95 degrees here and the, the play structures at the park were all taped off with caution tape. Yeah, no. Like, this, there is, 
that is metal, man. There is nothing a bug could land on that and die. Like, there's nothing to it. Yes, and, you know, kids park equipment is got a plastic coating on it that's microband, so bacteria can't even grow on it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, a, it's just... It was just sheer lunacy. And then you drive around and you're starting to see less and less masks, but there's always that one guy who's driving in the car by himself with the mask on, like incorrectly. <laughs> it's like, man, what are you doing? I've absolutely seen that guy. Like one of the, my employees told me about that. And I thought there is no way there's nobody driving around with masks. Then I started looking. Oh yeah. And then you start noticing. Yeah. They're <laughs> just driving around with the mask on. It's, like what what do you think happens to that person in two years you know is, is that person still like i fully expect two years from now to walk into a walmart and there's like a family just cowering with masks on to you know trying to get in there and get out as fast as they can without touching it. oh yeah no it's it's already happened to me because you know going in for grocery shopping and i found it hilarious that they've got one door closed and everybody exits and enters through the same door yeah, the same one. <laughs> I was like, it's it's nine feet across. It, <laughs> there's no way that we're going to be able to socially distance within the same door. And then, you know, then they have you going up one aisle and then down the other, and they got arrows everywhere. And I've like purposely made it a point to go the opposite direction. But uh, <laughs> I was like, it's like I, man. And then you you're walking around with no mask on, you get the 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 Karens, you know, start whispering to their friends. And you can almost hear, he's like, oh, he's, he doesn't have a mask on. Unclean. Nosferatu. I I have not worn a mask once the whole time. I had to pull my shirt over my face to get into one store one time. I pulled it back down, and all the employees ran into the back and hid and oh, yelled God. at me to put it back on. But I'm the same way with those one-way things at walmart i will physically knock those fucking things over and push them out of the way and go down there what i've noticed is that once you do it like you start noticing other people do it too oh yeah because you know humans are generally going to do whatever the leader is doing and if you're walking around with your head up and acting confident they're just gonna follow you it's there was a it was a video. It was like one time they uh, this guy gets out with a clipboard, uh, a hard hat, and a like a reflector vest, and he just stops traffic and was like leading people across the crosswalk that was already red and had the hand up and everything. It was like no no no, it's fine. Come on, let's go. <laughs> and just people just would walk through. It's like yeah. he's just a regular dude. <laughs> there was one video where there's a or there was a a picture or something where there's like a line outside of the Best Buy or something like that. And you know, there's the X's on the ground. Yeah. Where you're supposed to stay. Right yes. Yeah. yeah. They're next to the awning and it's raining and you know, the X's are outside of the awning and they're just standing out there in the rain. Yeah. And there's an awning right there. You can step two feet to the left and nope, just cheap. Nope. Gotta be on the line. <laughs> No, it was kind of funny. It was a, I was in a Walgreens and they had the uh, the tape on the floor and uh, I had a tape measure with me. And I was like, oh, these lines are five foot six apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, how arbitrary of a number is six feet anyways? Where's the science? Yeah. I have yet to see one, any study showing that six feet is a magical number where viruses stop spreading. Uh, Where's the science? On yeah, you, you want to, about ready to bake your noodle here. The uh, the social distancing thing came from a teenager. 
I I read that. Dude, that is <laughs> wild. Yeah, yeah, because you got to give the sixteen-year-olds the right to vote, right? Because <laughs> that'll change things. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, we've got sixteen-year-olds running the policy for the entire world. Oh yeah, mentally sixteen. You know, it may have like full grown adult bodies, but you know, <laughs> uh, it's pretty wild. Hong Kong. It's the only thing I can say. Clown world. We're definitely in it. Nothing makes sense. Yeah. We're we're spray painting Stevie Ray Vaughan's statue in the face in Austin <laughs> because we think he's you know some white colonizer. <laughs> uh, and then they got Godwin statue who was like a, a abolitionist. Uh, Mm-hmm. From the from the 1880s or whatever, like, we're gonna pull his statue down. Well, it's like he, he, you know, if he was here today, he would be saying Black Lives Matter. But um, well, can't put yeah, that I think it's him. interesting. They're going for union statues now, and like you said, like abolitionist statues. I don't know if that's ignorance or if they were told to do this or, or you know where that comes from. But it is weird because you always saw them just going for Confederate stuff. And now you're seeing them like pull down Abe Lincoln statues. Yeah. What like what's that all about? <laughs> Not that I disagree. Like let's yeah, so get like, rid of the fucking Abe Lincoln statues. But like, yeah, he was a bloodthirsty like, tyrant no, and definitely super racist. <laughs> yeah. Like most people were, you know, in the 19th century. Ugh. So silly. I mean, you can't even point that stuff out. And then it's like the Stevie Ray Vaughan statue in Austin, I was like, I was like, did you not even read the plaque? That's like, crazy. I didn't see that one. Oh yeah, they 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 caught the guy, arrested him, and everything. I was like, I was like, it's obviously Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay, I understand. In the in the statue, he's got the poncho and the cowboy hat on. So you might have thought he was some kind of racist cowboy from the eighteen hundreds or whatever. But come on, guys. <laughs> they thought he was David Allen Coe or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> David Allen Coe, the Ozzy Osbourne of country music. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm not knocking David Allen Coe, but I could, uh, <laughs> I could see why they might want to tear a couple of his statues up. Yeah, he literally has the N word in one of his song titles. So, um... <laughs> oh man, well, I think that's probably a good spot to to drop it off with. Uh, go ahead and uh, give us all your plugs there, Alex. Sure. You can go check out my podcast. If you can look it up on any podcast app, it's own yourself show. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Ardell. And I really appreciate you having me on. Man. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. I, I always love it when I put out a request, you know, as I call it, begging for guests and people actually respond. I was always like, oh, man, I, I got to get more guests on here because I just ran out of a whole bunch. So <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for taking the time. All right, man. Have a great night. You too. All right. And there he goes, folks. Alex Ardell from Twitter. And you can find his podcast. And uh, guess what, guys? If you go down to the show notes down below, you can find his link to his Twitter account and his podcast down there. Uh, so you don't got to go into the DuckDuckGo's and the start pages and God forbid the Googles to try and find where you can uh, where you can hear him and where you can see him. Right. Uh, also. Check down there in the show notes because uh, I got all the different ways that you can support this podcast. Uh, I've got the pod be- uh, got the pod beans. Uh, no, I don't have pod bean. I have uh, Patreon. I have uh, Subscribe Star. Uh, the float. 
I got all that stuff, a PayPal, Cash App, all that kind of crap down there. And uh, I have a merch store that I'm constantly on the fence of whether or not I am going to drop it. Uh, I do sell t-shirts and coffee mugs and everything there. That's uh, teespring.com forward slash rebel with a cause podcast. And uh, also, guys, leave a rating and review because I, I don't get ratings and reviews. And that's the way to trick the algorithms to get me in front of new eyeballs and new ear holes. Um, so if you could, if you do drop it in there and I don't get the notification for it, just let me know and I will read it out on the air. Or maybe not if it's like too negative and you tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I will leave it right there. You guys have a great rest of the week, rest of your day, whatever it is. And we'll come at you next time with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out. Out.